welcome 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 ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages it's me it's me it's the big guy kg welcome to the nfl draft preview that is the tuesday night flight i'll be joined momentarily by the boss bj the midnight rider ben and we're gonna talk a little nfl draft because i i got i got questions and I know a lot of these draft prospects and things. I know Ben can answer a lot of those questions. So I, I got my my pen and paper out. I got everything ready. And I, I just want to throw things at him and see how he, he, he does with it. Because one thing that did happen today, and I'm happy about it, and when, when, when the Midnight Ride and the Boss BJ get on, one thing that did happen, is uh oh he is speaking of double right there ladies and gentlemen boys and girls the one the only the midnight rider what's going on man how you doing tonight i'm good man good glad to hear from you it's been too long but i knew today was gonna be a joyous occasion for you <laughs> you already know what i was gonna bring you a bottle of andre because i already know what the celebration is but go ahead and let the people know about today's pickup Hey, I, I didn't want him to get out of town last offseason, but he is back. And that is one Eric Flowers who revived his career here in D.C. in 2019. And he left over, you know, haggling over three million dollars. I'm glad to have him back because him at left guard, Ruye in the at the pivot and the center, uh, the one of the top three guards in the league and Brandon Sheriff. At right guard, Morgan Moses, one of the best warriors in the league. Uh, at right tackle, all we got to do is show up that left tackle. And I can see 4,500 yards coming from a quarterback, 2,000-yard rushes, and dare I say it, three 1,000-yard receivers. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I'm, I don't normally get – this optimistic during the off season, but uh, damn it, I'm optimistic. I, I, I'm I'm feeling heavenly. I got a boost of energy when the news came down. So we we waiting on the boss BJ, who's on his way. He's coming. He's going to join into this studio. But I want to know, Midnight Rider Ben, what's your rating of this trade to get early? Well, I think if the numbers serve me correctly, I think they changed $6 million of his salary into a signing bonus and then made the deal to Washington. So Washington's only on the hook for $3 million of his salary um, next year. So for me, that's a bonus because I don't like playing playing a guard. So I didn't want us to be paying him 10 and which we call it 19. So now that we've maneuver the numbers around i love the deal because it gives you somebody solid a guard somebody that you've seen play so now the only thing now is let's lock down that right i mean that left tackle spot um and put the women and children to sleep and go looking for dinner shout out to the program with that one that's one of my favorites right there my bad that's natural (laughs) (laughs) joe kane sir but nah i mean it's just one of those moves i think it's a very shrewd move 
Um, I give the, all, them credit. The last couple of years, they've been smarter about who they take on um, in terms of salary and how they structure the deal. So you can't get mad at stuff like that. Now, um, I got the next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, I, I need the boss BJ for this one. He's coming. So once he gets on, we'll revert back. But this is what I want to ask you. And I got I got a series of questions that I got lined up just for you. Now, <laughs> I, I got I got to do. Right. No, okay, okay. we're looking at we're looking at the draft as a whole. This is okay. 2021 draft. Who is your top pick of the draft prior to, you know, we, we still got Thursday, but who is your number one overall guy? Not with the prognosticators say, I want to know the midnight. Wow. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a different question because I think, I think the best pure talent in this draft is, um, I want to say Kyle Pitts. If I had to go, I'll give you a five real quick off the top. It would probably be Pitts, Chase. I'm talking about Jamar Chase. Um, I think Lawrence is up there. I think you still got to get Fields. And I think number five is um, Jalen Waddle. I think this okay. is this draft is going to be real different. I can agree with that. I can agree with that wholeheartedly because you didn't get to see a lot of these guys you know, last season. So this is right. this this is going to be, you know, pretty much. The, I think they're going to have more rope than any other draft class uh, in recent memory. Now, speaking of recent memory draft class, and I, I've heard somebody say this blasphemous thing because you have these quarterbacks. You have uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um. Come on, scroll, baby, scroll, scroll. Zach Wilson, scroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, mm-hmm. uh, Trask, um, Trey Lance, uh, Mac Jones. Um, but 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 I, I got Trask. Uh, Kellyman, yeah, Kellyman's another one. Davis Mills out of Stanford. Um, mm-hmm. you got all these quarterbacks. Jamie Newman out of Wake Forest. I heard somebody say that this could be a, a quarterback class that rivals the famed 83 class, in my opinion, which was the greatest class of quarterback to ever, ever grace the NFL because look how many uh, Hall of Famers you had in that class. But I I, I think that, to be honest, uh 83 is the greatest class, but do you think this will be as good as 83? Or maybe, if not as good, will it be comparable to? And I, it's another quarterback class that escapes me right now that happened recently. They said was better than uh, 83, which I doubt it, but it escapes me right now. But this class right here with this talent, who was in 2004? class. Is is a tough class to to walk away from. It's um, well, you got three Hall of Famers in it. Yeah, Philip Rivers. Uh, you got Roethlisberger. Um, who am I missing in this class? Those the three big names right there because those are three Hall of Famers. I don't care what anybody right. says. If, if if Eli Manning is not a first ballot Hall of Famer, I know 
I, without a shadow of a doubt that the rigging that the, the system is rigged. Well, the system's always been rigged. It's always um, going to be. Why? It's why a guy like Jim Plunky can't get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's the only quarterback with two Super Bowl rings. Um, I think he has an MVP, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, well you know why? Because he was a reclamation project. Right. <laughs> oh, man. But I would tell anybody if um, Terrell Davis can be in the Hall of Fame, then Jim fucking can. I agree. I agree. But do you think this this class rivals those two class eighty three and two thousand four? Do you no, think this class I mean, rivals the difference is when we talk about like draft classes and quarterbacks, and I, I I know because part of my watching this class was started with what is it the Elite Eleven with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So they've been battling in Georgia for since they were probably like in seventh grade or something crazy like that. But the thing about this class I think doesn't make them that level is because um, Trey Lance is all ceiling. He's either ceiling or floor. He's no in-between to me. Um, either you're going to end up loving this kid or you're not going to love him. Um, I like Fields and I like Lawrence. Generational talent, I think it's going to come down to what's around them. I mean, I think Lawrence has the best situation. Um, I'm curious because I think a team that could throw a curveball like my real curveball team is Miami. And I say Miami only because, yes, you have Tua, but how sold are they on Tua? Um, they did pull him in and out of the lineup at was in the last year. So is this the year you give him a shot and say, oh, I, I want to give him another year? Or is it, all right, I know what I've got already. And with the gluttony of picks that we have, we can fill the void on the back end. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh damn. Okay. And you know, it's crazy because I look at Miami, I look at the Jets. Um, I don't understand how these guys you just drafted quarterback. They just drafted Tua last year. Already they were talking about trading them last year. You know, during the season they've been talking all offseason about trading them. New York has already given up on Sam Darnold, who wasn't that good to start out with. I am – I don't want to seem biased, but I am. I can't stand USC quarterbacks at all. The best USC quarterback to ever grace the league and actually do something was Rodney Pete. Matt Leinart, bum. Carson Palmer, serviceable. Sam Darnold, bum. Uh, John David Booty, bum. Uh, name any USC quarterback, bum. USC is known f- for breeding running backs and receivers, a la Reggie uh, Bush, who turned out to be a bum. Ricky Bell, OJ Simpson, Marcus Allen, Lindell White. You know, they, they were monsters when they first came out. They just didn't pan out with uh, Reggie Bush and, and, and Lindell White, but. I, what's the point of drafting a quarterback and you hedge the future on a first-round pick just to draft another in the first round two years later because you got a quarterback that failed in one system, but rather than trying to build around him, you did nothing? Well, I mean, I think we're at a point now where the value 
of the quarterback position has changed. It's a different dynamic. Whereas we were paying um, rookie quarterbacks in the neighborhood of 20, 30 million in bonus money and incentives to start off. So you can't just walk away from that um, as if nothing ever happened. And now the biggest difference is every time a new quarterback comes up, um, they get the next biggest deal. So at this point, it becomes a, a mastery of uh, how much do I want to invest in my next quarterback? And the funny thing is so many teams in this league will give you the speech of, oh, um, you can't pay a quarterback that much money um, because you got to build the rest of your team. Well, I think teams are starting to show you that they're finding places where they can say, oh, I don't value this as much, and this is how I get to pay my quarterback. Like, I think Dallas is the perfect example. Dallas, to me, in two years is going to look completely different from a skill position. But this is just my work in theory. I have no no sources, but Dallas doesn't value corners, so they're not going to spend a lot on the corner. And then they got two guys, um, Amari Cooper and um, Zeke, that I think you can get out of their deals in a year or two and find places to hide money or to deal with that Prescott's um, contract. But that's just me and the way I look at it from certain teams' perspectives. If it's left up to me, Dallas has got to be sorry for the next 25 years. I'm not even going to lie. And I totally, I totally agree with you. But, you know, as a fan, like, sometimes you got to watch the league and how the league's moving. Like, I don't know how um, the Giants pulled the trigger on the, the fifth year Barkley's deal. But that's just because I don't value running backs on, on a second deal. And that's a whole different, you know, thought process. Well, mm-hmm. you, you know, that that right there absolutely sounds like the boss BJ talking because he says, man, running backs are a dime a dozen. They come and they go, I can get a running back in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. And he's an, he, he's a pro bowler. And then once he's done, you discard him and you find another guy. Shanahan oh, has built a career on that. Yeah, and then just think about all right. So, say you are, say you go to Alabama. So you're a three year guy. So, if you graduate at eighteen, you're twenty one when you're coming into the league, right? At best, twenty two. So you spend your first four years on your deal. You're twenty six. If you're a first rounder, you get another fifth year. So that's twenty year twenty seven, and then they franchise you a year. They're done. There's no need for me to pay a running back after that. Because then he gets into the years 28, 29, when it's, they call it diminishing return. And we're going to have diminishing return on the running back. So why waste all the upfront money when I can get out of it? Like, I truly believe in drafting a running back every two or three years and just let's see what happens. Don't draft him early. Draft him late. I mean, who's the leading rusher for Jacksonville last year? The kid Robinson? Undrafted free agent. Who was D- Dallas' best running back? Pollock, kid they picked up in the fourth round. Like, the, the system shows you that running backs are starting to make it easy. And I'm starting to feel that way about wide receivers, too. I'm really starting to think that, yeah, you can go after your first deal because if I pay you 10 mil, when I can just draft another kid and just keep the assembly line going. 
and I agree with that wholeheartedly because I mean we we see what late round picks do, but then you also have those I like to call them uh comic guys. Well, actually, I ain't gonna call them a comic because a comic comes and goes very fast. But we we have those star guys. Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. is a star guy. I think Adrian Peterson can still give you a thousand yards if he's the number one guy, or if he's at least number one and number two, he can still give you a thousand yards. Um, well, why would you do that? I didn't. I never wanted Adrian Peterson to leave here because I thought he could mold these young guys into something. You know, as a as a as a mentor, that's what I thought about Adrian Peterson. But he didn't fit the scheme that they were trying to run last season. Uh, and, you know, me and the boss, BJ, talked about a year before last. He didn't like how Adrian Peterson saw something at the line, and he told uh, Case Keenum not to audible out of a play, which is a run play. And I think he broke it for like nine yards because he seen something. And Keenum was turning around the audible, and he was shaking his head, no, don't audible. And, you know, BJ was like, you know, hey, that's not a – that's not a, you know, always. But uh, speaking of running back, I, I'm glad you brought up running backs. And now I want to know, are you – it's only two running backs in this draft coming up that's worth anything to me, and that's Najee Harris out of Alabama and Travis Etienne out of Clemson. I thought Travis Etienne should have came out a year ago because he, he I think he's game ready, and then it's everybody else that falls in the line. Is either one of those guys a star guy, or do you think they're comic guy? Um. Well, I'll put, I'll give you this thing that I was going to do. I was going to place a bet tomorrow on Thursday um, that no running back gets drafted in the first round. Um, bold prediction, wrong, bro. But I'm, that's the limb I'm a. That's one of the limbs I'm a die on. I think the only one that's really worth a one, to be honest with you, is Najee. Um, and it's only because Najee gives you a little bit of everything. Um, I like ETN. I think he's more straight line speed of a runner. Um, so that's where I would I would put him in the second round, maybe early in the second round. Um, actually, a team like the Jets, because the Jets haven't had a decent running back um, since, what, Freeman McNeil? Um so, like, so you, crazy, you look, man. You, you're looking over Curtis, my favorite Martian. Oh, I forgot about him. I'm sorry. Mm. I forgot about that time, his time there. Don't, don't. You know, don't. when I think of Curtis Martin, I think of the Patriots. And see, I'm, I'm the other way around. I think of the Jets. I love them with the Patriots, but I think of them more with the Jets because I just thought he was just the, the Patriots thought he was done, and then when he got with the Jets, he was like, "Oh no, I got a lot left in the tank." And you know, he did his thing. Then also, you still got LT. LT was there. Yeah, but at that point, LT was just, um, he was a flash in the pain. Um, he was just being serviceable. Kind of like AP is now. I mean, AP, to be honest with you, if he's just not getting like 10 carries a game and he wants more than that, it's not, a guy like AP isn't worth it to me because we just talked about how running backs and young running backs um, or a dime a dozen. So there's no need in holding on to an old man who doesn't have the same. I mean, now AP will break one and two, but I mean, I'm not here for breaking one and two. I want you breaking three or four. You know what I'm saying? So that's the difference for me when it comes to 
like a guy like AP, um, like I was driving the, the U-Haul to Ashburn last year when they cut AP just so he, I could help him move because I wanted all the young backs to get as many carries as possible. We weren't, our plan wasn't to be, you know, what we became towards the end. So let's find out what we got. Let's let this Gibson kid, let McKissick run. Like, sometimes you got to, like, see what happens. Put people in the fire. I, I, I can't say anything wrong to what you're saying because you're speaking facts. You are absolutely speaking facts. Now. And then you're cheating this draft class of running backs. My God. I, look, in my opinion, I, I'll give you Najee Harris, but Travis Etienne, I watched him at Clemson. Now, that's one cat that I did watch. I kept an eye on him. And he is an absolute monster. And all I kept saying every year, he, he didn't, the last two years, I wanted him to come out and he didn't. And I, I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm like, dog, just stay healthy. He is going to be a star. Don't quote me on that because I'm not really always right about these draft picks because I, I, I draft with heart. But this cat right here, he ran a 4-4-6 was his projected 40 time. They're saying he's going to go within the first or second round. 5'10", 200 pounds. He is – he has speed. I think he's faster than a 4-4-6 guy. I think they might have got him on a bad day, but I think he's faster than that. And I'm getting these stats from uh, WalterFootball.com, which is where I get all my draft information from every year. This is what, year number three we're doing this? So this is where I get everything because uh, what's the cat down in New Orleans? Uh, Davenport. Um, linebacker. Uh, uh, geez. Uh, he, he's an edge rusher. He came. He was at uh, oh, okay, yeah, University of Texas, San Antonio. That's where he came from. Yep. And the night of the draft, that was three years ago. The night of the draft, I said Washington needs to get that cat. And I think one or two pick because everybody was talking. Oh, we gonna get V to V. We gonna get V to V. I said, don't need V to V. You need Davenport. Who the hell is that? Don't worry about it. You need Davenport. I looked at his scouting profile and then watched film on him before the draft. And I was like, he would work here. But New Orleans picked him up. But you also talking about a different draft era um, back then. Because uh, that's what, three, four years ago? That's the year we draft pain. If memories yeah, that was right. 2018. Because I, I, I so, look back at my Facebook memories, I wasn't too happy about drafting pain. But I, I look, I don't regret it. But see, the thing about that class or that, that – I'm not even going to say that class. I'm going to say that group of talent evaluators. Like, I don't think they have types. And, like, the more and more of me we'll talk football, you'll start hearing me talk about teams and types and, like, what they like. Um, so I can't wait till we start talking um, football team um, draft prospects because there's a type that, that that's out there um, that fits this team. So – Getting back to what you were saying about Payne and Davenport. Davenport is a, a New Orleans kind of guy, big, rangy, um, edge guy. I'm actually surprised that Pittsburgh didn't have him on the board. But I think last year, Pittsburgh drafted a kid out of um, – I forgot the name of the school now. But he, they drafted a small school kid that had, like, 30 sacks in his career. Um, and he actually started – he replaced Bud Dupree towards the end of the season. And more than likely, that's going to be their guy of the future. 
and they're going to put another guy right behind them. Like certain teams just get certain types of guys, and those types of guys work for them. Like Pittsburgh always has receivers. Pittsburgh always has linebackers and receivers. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were talking about that. Uh, I think it was one day last week talking about Pittsburgh and Heinz Wood. And then you think of all the – I say we can go the last 25 years. So that, that makes it 1996. The receivers that you've had come through Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown, Santonio Holmes, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Ernie Mills, um, Heinz Wood, Plexico Burris. Uh, gee, I'm leaving off a lot of guys because I can't remember all of them. But you had guys galore at receiver. But then look at the linebackers that came through there. Just – it was like a factory. They were rolling them off. But and the thing is, linebackers came through Pittsburgh, and once they left Pittsburgh, they really didn't do much. Uh Joey Porter did. Um Kirkland didn't. Uh what was the other cat? Went to um damn it. He went to uh Kansas City. I can't remember. He didn't do much. And then uh also, you know, you had uh Hardy Nickerson was the was another successful one that left out of Pittsburgh. But they're known for that. They are known for that. Uh, I think Kirkland's the one that went to um, Kansas City. Was it Kirkland? Okay, because I know they 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 lost. It was a damn. I can't think of his name. I can see his face. Can't think of his name. Jesus. Um, we talked about wide receiver. You talked about uh, Waddle and uh, Chase. What do you What are your thoughts on the number three rated? Receiver coming out of this draft is Devontae Smith out of Alabama. What's your uh, thoughts on him? Um, I'm curious. Um, I'm I'm almost I'm probably one of the only people that's a little bit hesitant on him. And the only reason I'm hesitant is because I've seen Jalen Waddle play and like I've seen him take over a game. I've seen Devontae take over a game, but like I I don't know. I, I wonder. If this is a chicken or egg scenario, like is Devontae Smith a nineteen hundred yard guy because there was nobody on the other side taking away the opportunities, or is he a nineteen hundred yard guy? And I think that's the biggest question that um, teams are going to have to ask themselves. And I honestly think that might be the reason why you see him still on the board at thirteen, fourteen. Um, not so much the height thing, just like, did he just take advantage of having just a bunch of opportunities placed before him? And that's what is making me curious about his status this year. Okay. Okay. Now it's time for me to ask you the hard-hitting questions, and we're going to keep it at home and talk about uh, our Washington football team. Okay. Now, right now, you got the shopping list. You're the chef. You got the shopping list. What's the five things you need right now for this team? Uh, so um, so tomorrow I'm trying to come out with a linebacker or a, um, a left tackle if I can do it. And I don't want just any left tackle. I want the kid Derrick Shaw. Um, if I got to settle – there's a kid out of OK State that I, I started to like, Tevin Jenkins. The only problem is I don't think he's a left. I think he's a right guy. So I think that's the only reason he wouldn't be on our board. Uh, then after that, I would go linebacker. I think 
uh, Owusu Kimura, our boy from Notre Dame, is the best option just because he reminds me of Shaq Thompson. He reminds me of the guys that Rivera had in Carolina. So I don't see that being a mix or, or a big push. And Rivera now can help him put on the right weight and still keep his speed. So that's why I'm not worried about him in that scenario. Um, day two, if I can get a young arm, I'm going to try one just to see what we got. Uh, and then we on day three, I have two picks. One of my two picks is a running back. And if it's not day three, it's day four. Uh, and then I'm picking up a linebacker if I don't get the one on day one. There's a kid I like out of LSU, Jabril Cox. I think um, he's been on the radio in the local area this week or last week. But he's a guy that his tape, just watching him, he's another guy that I think if Rivera gets his hands on, it could be real nice. So it's going to be curious, but that's kind of like my short shopping list. If I left you short two position players, uh, definitely I would say uh, a corner, just a young athletic guy to kind of take the Moreau spot. And then I still want to go wide receiver, uh, preferably a slot guy. So hopefully he can double as a return man and we can put some competition in there with Steve Sims, the kid they just signed out of Houston, and try to actually find someone that can make an impact as a punt returner, um, not named Brian, Brandon Banks or Brian Mitchell. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this. Um, I added your shopping list and my shopping list together because we had a lot of things together. Um as far as wide receiver, that wasn't on my list because I thought I think we're pretty much set at wide receiver because you have don't get me wrong, drafting a wide receiver would be okay if one of the top guys are there. You know, you don't you don't miss out on the top guy. If he, he fell to the second round, you don't miss out on the top guy. But looking at the wide receivers that we have, I'm like the odd man out is uh Sims. He's my odd man out. And I, I don't think he's making this team. I don't think he's coming out of camp, to be quite honest. I don't think he's going to make it past OTAs. After June 1st, I think he's gone. That's it. Um, but now looking at over the wide receivers, <clears throat> you already know Scary Terry's number one. Right. You got Kelvin Harmon coming back. You got Adam Humphreys. You got Curtis Samuel. Uh, Cam Sims. So that's Scary Terry, Harmon, Humphreys, uh, Samuel, Sims. That's five. Antonio Gandy-Golden will make six. Everybody else, replaceable. You know, you can get rid of them all after that. Because I don't think we, that's why I say I don't think we need a receiver. So I got to disagree with you on that one. Now, all right, so let's let, let me be devil's advocate. Okay. So you got a guy named Adam Humphreys coming off of, I think he played maybe 16 games in the last two years. If he played mm-hmm. that many games, mm-hmm. concussion issues. Wait, uh, let me let me double check that. Spot, spot returner, and he's also a slide guy. Slot guy is a low investment, so you get rid of him, or you bring something in. I mean, you need you need somebody like this. NFL is about speed, guys, and speed and speed. And the one thing the Washington football team hasn't majored in is speed. 
we need A plus guys. I mean, it's nice to have some of these C's like Cam Sims and and Kelvin Harmon, but we got to start taking the top off the defense. And so maybe that's a, a slot receiver. Maybe that's drafting a running back to go along with the guys that you have. And I'm not talking about a top guy. I'm talking about a middle of the road guy that can kind of replace Barber and get you some get you some plus chunk yards. This is a chunk league. This isn't this isn't three yards in the cloud dust anymore. Everything is anywhere from ten to twenty, and we try to make it happen. We try to create the matchups because you can't go on sixteen play drives. That's what's killed this team the last three years. Is they tried to do it methodically, and you can't be methodical no more. Okay, I, I I can't argue with you. Now Adam Humphreys, he played sixteen games in eighteen and twelve games in nineteen. So, uh, and he played nothing last year. Nothing. Kelvin Harmon, so I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not sure he's a hundred percent recovered. So you know he'll start on the pup list. So he he's going to be you know working slowly. I don't think Cam Sims is a C guy. I think Cam Sims is a B minus B guy. He can be more. And I've always dreamed of using him in the red zone, you know, back shoulders and things like that. You know, let him go for the jump balls because how big he is. That's my dream to use him. But uh, everybody else, Samuel, pretty fast. And, you know, he's athletic, so. I can see it. Okay. All right. Um, I got I mean, think about it. You want to come out with – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You go ahead. Go ahead. You want to come out with what? What you got? No, I'm saying offensively this team can come out and scare you with Samuel Gibson, Possum McKissick, and Scary Terry. And the only person you know where he's actually going to be at is Scary Terry because you're going to end up with Samuel in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And then you put that pulls you a linebacker in coverage, depending on what they're set up in and what you see, or it, it means the linebacker goes to the slot and covers McKissick or either um, Gibson. And I think the only reason you didn't see Gibson in the passing game last season is they wanted to get him fully comfortable with being a running back first. Mm-hmm. Like let him walk before, I mean, let him crawl before you make him walk. And I think that's what last season was. So now this is the time where Scott Turner starts adding in the wrinkles. You know, sometimes you're going to flink him out wide and see who it goes with him. Because now if a linebacker goes with him, you got him on a linebacker one-on-one. So I think this is one of those situations where it's – I like Sims. I like Harmon. But it's like. Like. And I can do – yeah, there you go. So I can go to another person, and I can still get some of the same production just from a guy that even somebody that we draft. Because, like, there's a kid out of um, North Texas, Darnell Wharton or Daryl Wharton. Um, he's four two, four three guy, slot guy, real fast. He's a small guy. But, again, he's another one of those people where you throw him in a slot, you throw him here, you do a couple things. Again, you're being multiple in your formations. And I think that's where you start picking up advantages. Agreed. Okay. Now we talked about tackle. Now you, you we started the show. I was already happy about Eric Flowers. I say we just got to show up the rest of the left side. It's a cat out of USC, Vera Tucker. 
Now, Walter Football has him ranked number two. He's a tackle guard combo. If he's there at 19, and I've heard rumors, are you going after him at 19 if he's there? All right, so this is none of my opinion. I'm going to go – I'm going to listen to my Uncle Colin. Um, My Uncle Colin Cowherd tells me that he can be a tackle. So I think – I think he can do it. I mean, I think he's athletic enough. And in the worst case scenario, you bomb on that and he doesn't pan out a tackle. He's your right guard or you flip Flowers to guard. Um, well, Flowers has to be guard. Flowers team. cannot play tackle at all in this okay. league. Okay. So, so again, uh, we're talking about this from a standpoint of, you know, maybe we push the kid because Moses played a little bit of left tackle at some points last year. This is if it all fails. This is mm-hmm. that scenario. You know, this is the doomsday scenario for the situation. And you draft the Tucker and he shows you he can't play tackle. Then that creates a problem. But your fail safe is you only got um, Sheriff on a one-year deal. So you're not re-signing him. Uh, the money doesn't make sense. So go ahead and let him go have his piece. And then you end up with a guy that's a Pro Bowl potential guard in his place. Okay. I can see that now, but here's the thing. I don't. I think after this year, I think Sheriff will be back. You know, he'll be back. I think you have to find. The, right, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on. How did you pay Sheriff? I'll pay him in Bitcoin in this price. No, no, I, I say that only reason I say that is because everybody's like, you got to sign him, you got to sign him. So the guard position alone. The first five on the tag, I think, is at most fourteen million. I Might believe be that's what it is. Yeah. So, so now we're paying a guy that we should be paying fifteen, nineteen because we didn't, we didn't get a deal done. But we and still got time. We, we still got time. Him. We got all time. Right, but all right. So let me, I'm gonna ask you this way. I don't know who you work for, but um, say they paying you twenty two. Say they're paying you 32 an hour right now. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And then they come back to you and like, hey, we'll do five years of you at 27 an hour instead of 32. You taking that? You can't. I can't answer that because if I'm doing something that's paying me that well and I love it, and it gives me time to do my outside things. And I, I love stuff. it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Come I'm, on, dude. Come I'm going to say yes because it's a loyalty thing. It's a loyalty nah. thing. And that's uh, one thing I, I can't say about Sheriff. He is loyal. He said he wants to stay here. He wants to be here. And we've let too many guys get out and they go and win championships and, and, and become multi-time pro bowlers. This is a guy that I don't want to get out of town. Now, yes, he does have an injury problem. Yes, he does. I I, I know that. Like, he was supposed to miss the whole entire season last year with that uh, torn peck. He still came back and was effective. But I feel more comfortable when I see Gibson coming around the corner and Big 75 in front of him. I feel more comfortable. I feel at ease. Now, granted. I got you. I, I mean. And I, I feel at ease when I can see Morgan Moses standing upright. I'm fine with that. But it's time to find Morgan Moses' replacement. And if we're not going to keep up with Brandon Sheriff, we're not going to pay the money. 
I say we draft his replacement this year, and his replacement could be Vera Tucker. I'm just saying. That's a possibility at 19. But some people are saying, why not go free safety? Because we don't have a free safety at this present point. Um, Cameron Curl is a strong safety. Landon Collins is about to be moved to linebacker. Per sources, I don't have as much faith as I had two years ago in Troy Apke at free safety. So I'm going to have to go free safety at some point in day one or day two. Do you agree with that? So I was waiting for this conversation because um, there's a kid that's been – he's caught my eye the last two weeks of this process, and that's um, the kid Tyron Mooring from TCU. Trayvon. He wears number seven. Okay, Trayvon, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's the one guy that kind of caught my eye. Um, he and the kid out of UCF, Richie Grant, two of the probably the two safeties that I can see, and judging on where we are in the process, they'll probably be the two most likely most likely to be available when we draft. So I can see either one of those two guys. And then there's a kid out of um, Syracuse that I love, Andre Cisco. Mm-hmm. So like, and it's not just because of the last name, is it? No, it's not because of the last name. It's <laughs> like, I mean, come on, you you a domer? I, I know you. I know the joke, but nah, you a domer. So, like, when I watched us play Syracuse last year, I walked away and I was like, I'll take either number three or number twenty six. Number three was Cisco, and number twenty six is a kid Ifiani Mena Meno Flowu. I think he has a brother that was in the league or a cousin that was in the league, but. He's like a 6'3", 6'4", corner, um, 215. I don't know how well he ran. That's the only thing I haven't been able to catch. Because, you know, we don't have a combine. You don't get to see the guys like you normally would. Right. But that's another kid that, yeah. Okay. All right. Now, now you might have to go to a couple pages down on your list, but, yeah. No, no, like, no. Those actually, guys that stick out to me. Actually, uh, Trayvon Morey. I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's number one on Walter football. He's number one. Andre Cisco is number three. They're rated number three. Okay. Both of them, you know, first, second round guy. He's rated two. Uh, what's this cat name? He's out of dag on it. Dag on page move. God dag on it. Okay. Hold on, I got you. Oh, out of Oregon, Javon Holland. Out of Oregon, six one, two hundred pounds. Uh, he's rated uh, a, a okay, second, uh, second round, third round guy. Um. Maybe just maybe everybody doesn't need to be a hitter. Let's just say that. So we don't need a hitter. We need somebody that can cover because we keep going with these hard hitting safeties, whether it's free agency, whether it's a uh, draft, you know, everybody, Oh, I want to be Sean Taylor. I'm happy to be here in a burgundy goal. You're never going to be Sean. Let's go ahead and end that right now. I'm tired of guys coming here saying, oh, I want to be Sean. Oh, I want to wear 21. You're not going to be Sean. You're not going to wear 21. It's not going to happen. So get that out of your head. Play the game the way it's supposed to be played. You can't play like Sean. Nobody's going to do that. I'm tired of guys coming here doing it. I'm tired of guys like Sewell Cravens, guys like Landon Collins. Oh, let me see. Uh, What was the dude out um, out of Merlin? Jeez, I can't remember his name. You know, it's a bunch of guys that that, that came through here. Don't want a guy like that. I want a guy that can cover. If he's tasked in a cover two, take your half of the field and cut it off. 
give over over the top help. I'm tired of being beaten over the top because our safeties don't know what to do and they're running and looking for the hit. I'm tired of that. So we're going to draft the guy. I don't need him to be a hard hitter. I need him to be smart. He doesn't have to. I mean, God, I know I'm going to get crucified for this. Reed Dowdy was smart. He just didn't have the skill. That's why I love Reed, Reed Dowdy because he had heart. He had smarts. He just didn't have the athletic build and the athletic skill to be dominant uh, at the safety position. The issue was say he was a third safety. No, he was a third safety on a team that lost number two, and number one decided to eat more um, more supplements <laughs> and natural food and lift more weight. So, I mean, that was the whole problem with that. Yeah. Uh, you said something else before that. Um, oh, Landon Collins. I don't understand why everybody wants him to play linebacker. I'm, I got tired of watching him as tackles. I agree. Our, with you our defense got better when he went out. Half, when he went out, because we became a better tackling team on the second level. I don't. I mean, Cameron Crow missed tackles, but I expect they that. didn't stick out. They didn't stick out like the ones I saw. Collins miss in the situations he missed them in. So I, I don't know. I mean, June first is coming. Man, it's been real. Uh, that's how I really feel about Landon Collins. I mean, I don't. I'm good. Okay. I mean, let's let, let Carroll do his thing. I mean, that's another reason why you draft these young guys. I think Reeves showed himself well, and I think um, number twenty two, who I always forget his name, the Shazer um, Everett, the special teams guy, the Shazer. I think they showed enough. That they could be stop gaps. They're not gonna make great change, but they'll at least be serviceable. That if something does happen to your top guys, and I think Curl and whoever you draft are your top two guys, and you just go from there. Okay. Because they both made I mean, they just made solid plays. And I can't tell you, I'd rather just have a back four of solid guys. And I think so now you got me in, in this other tangent that I was trying to avoid. <laughs> But I'm going to go back to tackle. Poking a bear in the cage. So I don't know if – I understand wanting a dominant left tackle, but I don't know if that's Ron Rivera's M.O. His his right tackle was dominant in Carolina. That was Jordan Gross. He had a dominant right guard in Trey Turner. And I think they signed Russell Okun later on, but it wasn't the same Russell Okun. So I don't know if, like, we have to have a dominant left tackle. I think they will scheme around left tackle and suffice because Cornelius Lucas did not look bad last year. Mm-hmm. I don't say I want to build the future going forward with him, but I, I just – it's something about that mix. And, and I apologize, but it's something about that that stuck out to me, and I don't know how – have a priority that is for this for this coaching staff. I'll say it that way. Okay. See, we got uh Sadiq Charles. When they moved him to guard, that worked out pretty well. Then he got hurt. Uh Christian has yes. to go. I'm 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 done with Christian. I think I'm done with Wes Martin. Um it's it's guys that I'm just done with. Uh Schweitzer, he's going to be competing. 
come uh, OTAs to see who's going to start. But uh, I, I, I like a lot of guys that we can pick up. I think linebackers are top priority. Safety. Um, corners, we, we, we need we, – we, I'd rather have uh, depth at corner. We got Kendall Fuller. You got William Jackson. You still got Luke Cole, Danny Johnson. Uh, the people who? corner Jimmy Jimmy Moreland. Ho 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 ho! You didn't say Luke Cole. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a kid from Notre Dame. Jeez, Cole Luke. Luke Still, Cole. no matter how you say his name, it, it, it's the kid from Notre no. Dame. No, <laughs> you don't want that kid. Hey, he should play. He should. He should be on the roster. So when they go from ninety to forty nine. They they bring him in the office. They say, thank you for all your hard work. And it's been real. He's another one. No. Well, okay. He's not I a guy it. I want to go into. Now, I can bring him back if somebody gets hurt. But he's not a guy I want to go in to the season with as my fifth corner or my sixth corner. I just don't want to do that. I can dig that. All right. He's now, not special enough. I'm sorry. Okay. Defensive line, uh, real real quick, because I got one more thing to jump in, then we done. Defensive line, are we set at defensive line? We don't need any D linemen, correct? We got no. a good rotation. You got no, you draft You got Ionitis coming back. Um, Payne, Settle, Montez Sweat, of course, Chase Young, Casey Hill. So you got guys. You got bodies. I think we got a good rotation with the line, so we're good there. So. I, still, got, I mean, again, we're talking late. We're talking guys. We're, we're not talking round one through four. We're talking fifth, sixth, seventh. If there's a guy that impressed you, I'd, I'd take the flyer because this this deep tackle class isn't the best. So you're not going to have great depth at deep tackle. But there's some rush guys that are going to be available later in the drive. And, I mean, the one thing you always want to do is put pressure on the quarterback. So even if you draft a guy um, and he does the Marcus Smith-Williams, the kid we draft out of NC State, and we do one of his routines where, you know, he plays a little bit on special teams early, you get him a couple plays here and there, and then you build him into the fold, it's not a bad thing because you want to have to get rid of one of the one of the um, points of the triangle of death. You don't have to get rid of either Payne, Ionitis, or um, um, Jonathan Allen. So somebody's going to have to go. And I don't you're care. you're coming up on year four for um, Tim Settle, too. I don't so care long as not Ionitis. It's not going to be Ionitis. So. You still got to start replenishing. So, like, you, like, that's the part that I think, like, Washington fans get too hooked up on Oh, we let this guy go. But if you think about it, like who you really let go in the last five years? You haven't had a top 100 player in four years, if memory serves me correct. Um, I think Ryan Kerrigan may have been your last top 100 guy until this year when you get Chase. You just got your first All-Pro in 20-some-odd years. So really, when you letting guys go, yeah, it's cute that you got the Lorenzo Alexander story. Um, that's nice. But – I mean, you're not really letting substantial talent go and they go somewhere and do anything. Yeah, Kendall Fuller got a ring, him and Bashar Breeland, but eh, I mean, it's not really <laughs> – like, I'm not 
you can't lose. I'm not losing sleep over that. They were they were on defense, and their job was not to give up six touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? If they gave up five, they go to Pat. And Pat be like, all right, I got you, dog. And they go get the sixth one on a bomb to, to Tyrone Hill. Like, it's just like certain situations just fit. You know, like somebody brought up um, the kid that we drafted in the seventh round a couple years ago, Austin Reader. So what he got a ring in Kansas City? He didn't. I mean, he played center, and he really wasn't asked to do much. And they were ready to replace him at the end of the year. He was just a guy that filled a gap. So, like, I don't think this team has gotten rid of talent that I'm concerned about. I'll put it that way. That's the nicest way to say it. They haven't gotten rid of talent that I'm going to lose sleep over in a long time. Okay. All right. I mean, I know you you got your favorites, but, yeah, some of these guys, it's been real, homie. Ionitis is a favorite, so. But last but not least. I'm with you on Ionitis. (laughs) I told you to on Ionitis. Okay. As long as we, we in agreement, because if we wasn't, I, I swear, meet me at the flagpole <laughs> at 3 o'clock, man. <laughs> but uh, last but not least, and I, I said something to the fellas about this earlier. This is a rumor going around, and I know the boss, BJ, I know he listening. It's been said that the Ravens are looking to move on from Lamar Jackson and draft a quarterback very very soon uh probably day one or day two and the rumor mill has said that lamar jackson is not uh has not been successful enough because he has not won a super bowl within his first two years um i asked the boss bj about it and no matter how you shape it it may be a rumor i don't know how true it is but you know the rumor mill is is churning but this is nothing short of steeped in colorism and i, I i'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna call a spade a spade huh i knew you was going to this yeah but i'm gonna call a spade a spade this is steeped in colorism because if, if lamar jackson was any other color any other color after the success he's had in the last two years he was just the mvp year before last he had a successful campaign this year and didn't have a receiving core and he was still a playoff quarterback, got a playoff win. And you're already talking about moving on from him. The guy that nobody wanted to give a shot. That put up brilliant numbers at Louisville, showing he could be a pocket passer and not just a runner. But everybody wants to label him as a running back that plays quarterback. But the rumor mill says they're going to give up on him. I call bullshit. I'm going to say it right now. Because you can't give up on a guy like this as a talent. But if you do give up on him, he's going to go somewhere. He's going to make you pay for it. He is going to be, when it's all said and done, all the smoke has settled, all the dust has cleared. He will be a Hall of Fame, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Mark my words. Midnight Rider, you got something to add to that? No, I mean, I, I love the conversation, and I love because um, right before I even came on with you, I saw um, a piece of that uh, snippet, and I think, um, of course, Colin Cowherd had a great stat. He was like, Lamar Jackson is 30-4 and four against quarterbacks not named Patrick Mahomes. He said something. I didn't hear the whole thing because I had to skip out. 
because um, I was leaving from the office. But that's just an astronomical number in its own right. I mean, to have that many wins um, that early in your career, and we're not even talking about the best QB in the league. And I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's funny that you even brought that up because I know a couple of days ago I posted about Zach Wilson. Like, I, did he have, does he have arm talent? Yes. Was I impressed with it? Yeah, I was impressed. But if Zach Wilson is an African-American quarterback, I don't think he makes that meteoric jump. I don't think he jumped from a guy because the first thing they would complain about, if we're going to keep it 100, is he's a two-year starter. He was never named captain of his team. He never had a big win. So what am I? What do you? What 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 put him up above a Justin Fields? What puts him ahead of even Trey Lance? Like there's there's questions we can always ask in this process because this process is flawed. Anytime a guy named Mitchell Trubisky can go from being a split time QB <laughs> at North Carolina, splitting time with a dude Vince Williams who threw like 800 interceptions in the XFL. But that's the dude you split in time with, but you're going to jump up and be number three? So, we all, yeah, that's a, always an argument. That's always a conversation. But I think the problem with Lamar is there's this pitfall that black quarterbacks fall into, and it's outside of the race also. It's the fact that they don't give options. So they don't always tie you in with a good wide receiver one or – a compliment of wide receivers. So you're dealing with, I mean, he's got Hollywood Brown, who's what, five foot nothing, 165 pounds, and is hurt every three weeks. So, mm-hmm. like, you got to find a balance with these guys. You know, you gave him Des Bryant, who's six years beyond his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, then you had, who else? Oh, my man, Willie, Willie Sneed, who, I mean, if he's your fourth receiver, okay. But he was like there two or there three, so that's not a good option for you. So I think this is where we also come into like constructs and where teams struggle. And Baltimore has always struggled at putting a receiver out on the field. I mean, it's Travis Taylor, Quadri, Ismael, you know, um, Jermaine uh, Lewis. Jermaine, I knew you was gonna know that because he's a Maryland guy. Of course. Um, My cousin ran track against him. He's really that fast. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just saying, like, there are guys, like, even I mean, even if you told me Stefan Diggs was going to be this good, I'd have been like, yeah, okay, whatever, because you never saw him on the field. He was always hurt. Mm-hmm. So, but getting back to it, it's like certain quarterbacks don't get the outside help. Like, right now, Kirk Cousins has Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. You know what I'm saying? Like, a guy like if if San Frank can ever stay healthy, you got Brandon Ayuk and oh, what's my man? I just drew a blank on his name, number eleven. They just dropped him from Arizona State. That was Ayuk, the other kid. Sorry about that, South Carolina guy. Um, drawing a blank on his name, but still, the whole point is like you got teams with guys that sometimes they are just guys, and then they throw a black quarterback in there and be like, all right, make make something happen. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't give you prime rib if you're giving me flank steak. Just can't happen. 
agreed. And I, I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking, trying to think of a black quarterback that had a great complement of receivers and running backs around him. And the only thing that comes to mind, only quarterback that comes to mind, to be quite honest, is Warren Moon in Houston because he had uh, Allen Pinkett, Rozier at running back, uh, Highsmith. Then he had five receivers that could kill you with Webster Slaughter, Drew Hill, um, Ernest Givens. Oh, come on, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I know all five. Haywood Jeffries. Haywood Jeffries. Fifth one. That's always the one that I miss. 81, 84, 80. You said Givens, Hill, Haywood. Slaughter. Slaughter. Who am I missing? 80, 84, 85. Ernest Givens. We got Ernest Givens. We did? Yep. So we got Hill, Haywood, Givens. Oh, Curtis Duncan. Oh. Curtis, Curtis Dunk. That's, that's the one I always miss. That's the last Number time I've known, I've known a, a a black quarterback to have a compliment. But only thing that stopped Warren Moon from winning a Super Bowl or at least appearing in the Super Bowl in Houston, those damn Buffalo Bills. Shout out to you, Boss BJ. Greatest comeback in NFL history. I watched it in my uncle's kitchen. Still one of the greatest games I've ever watched. So, but I I, I don't like that room. The Minnesota team. Dante Culpepper, Jake Reed, um, Randy Moss, Chris, yep, mm-hmm. and, and then Chris you Carter, had, yeah. um, and then you had Robert Smith slash. They had a decent running back after Robert Smith, and that's I think that's the last time. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I definitely got to do some research now because you, you didn't brought something up. I got to <laughs> think about this one. Well, we're gonna put a pen in it tomorrow night. We're gonna come back with uh, DC Sports Rundown. That'll be on. Uh, IG Live, probably. If not IG Live, Facebook Live. We got to talk about those Surgeon Wizards. Uh, got to talk a little bit more Washington football team and this draft coming up. Uh, the optimism that's surrounding the area. You know, it's been a long time since you had three playoff teams, let alone four, if, you know, the Nats can get it together. But it'd be great if we got, if every team, becomes perennial playoff contenders every year. I would love for it to happen. So, But we'll be talking about that. And then, of course, don't forget we'll be live. That will be on Facebook Live on Thursday during the draft like we do every year, talking about draft picks and seeing who goes in the first round. So until tomorrow night, that's the Midnight Rider. I'm the big guy, KG. The boss, BJ. Delante. Junie, Jim, all on special assignment, but we are out of here. We don't do no overtime.